Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you with the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, January 27th. Spring training is looming, Brendan, pitchers and catchers, mere weeks. But the offseason yeah. for the Cubs, as we know, has uh, maybe not completed. They're still in some rumors, maybe looking to add another bat, maybe playing in that reliever market. Uh, but we haven't had a lot of action in a while. And so we thought that would be a good time to take a look at the state of the Cubs minor league system and all of their prospects. Uh, and as we build towards the next great Cubs team that we have heard so much about. So we decided it would be a great time to have on friend of the program, Greg Huss from Northside Bound and the Cubs on Deck podcast. Greg, as always, a pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I actually, joke's on you, Corey. Uh, I'm actually on here so that we can just talk all about Nico Horner, just the entire podcast long. Thank we're you. We're just gonna we're the entire I, time is just gonna be covered about like what what glove he uses, his hair, like everything about Nico Horner. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna tear up. This is why Greg's like our best friend <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. I feel like this is why Greg needs to be on more often. He, I think because of content like this. to the right crowd. Yeah, it would also <laughs> oh be God, yes. uh, a really bold decision on our part to wait for the uh, audio only episode of the podcast of the week to discuss like his glove and his uniform fashion, just so that no one can Did see. Did you it. see those I, pictures? I can pull up pictures real quick. Yeah, you saw those pictures, right, Greg, from Rich? Oh yeah! Oh my oh, yeah. God! Yeah, he's I mean, got he, that. he tagged you in those for a reason. Yeah, but we've been DMing too back and forth. He's been sending me some like private photos, so it's, I'm getting more behind the scenes. <laughs> you have a private ego <laughs> collection. <laughs> but okay, he's got. I think he got like a new like even toned camel glove. It looks new. Like he's breaking it in. So uh, I know, and he's got those you know those Second those base. nice white Nike cleats. Man, back at second base, got to change it up a little bit. Yeah, it's a little you bit, know? not too not too much though. So obviously plenty to talk about. Uh, One of the things we're going to talk about, I want to put on your radar as you tune into this episode here on Thursday evening, MLB Pipeline dropped their top 100 prospects. Uh, So that is excellent timing to have a Cubs prospect guru on the podcast with us to break that down. Hot discussion on Twitter Thursday night. Um, who's on it? Where they're ranked? Who's not on it? I think more the interesting discussion. So we're going to get in to all of that. And I think looking at that list will kind of guide us through more of the, the system, not just the guys who were on the list or um, key omissions, but I think that'll help guide us through the system. But uh, so that is coming on this podcast. Uh, but where I want to start, Greg, we haven't talked to you in a little while. Um, and again, the Cubs still in some rumors. I saw something today. Maybe they're looking at another depth bat. Maybe they're looking at some of those relievers, depending on how all of those contracts and, and prices shake out to Jed's liking. Uh, but we have a good idea of what this major league roster looks like. Um, and I, I think we've talked about this with you before. I know we've talked about it with uh, Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation. You, you, when we have you on or when you guys appear on, on podcasts, I feel like you do get a little like pigeonholed into like, they only talk about the prospects, right? But like you are a, a Cubs fan and, and you can also offer thoughts about the major league roster. So as we're only a few weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting, how did you feel about this offseason? It's been pretty hotly debated. Um, and you can talk about that just in terms of the the major league roster and also, you know, what they did in terms of setting things up for some of the, you know, younger guys you were maybe hoping to see get opportunities or not hoping to see get opportunities. What did you what did you think about Jed and, and Carter's uh, business this offseason? 
Yeah, I, I always preface whenever I come on the show with you guys a few times, and I, I know Brian did it last time he came on the show. Always got to preface it by saying like I'm I'm a, a prospect guy, but like first and foremost, I'm a Cubs fan, you know, and so that that's important. And whenever I'm hyping up prospects or, or saying how they should be in Chicago, it's like I also understand that like I'm a Cubs fan first, and like I want the major league team to be as good as they possibly can be. Uh, I don't know this this offseason was interesting. Um, I think that the way they they, they got one of the big shortstops, right? Um, the probably the the worst offensive performing of the the big shortstops, but they got one of them. That's what we wanted going into the season. I always reference you, Corey, when we talk about looking at the offseason as a whole, because like you, you mentioned it, go, leading in the offseason a ton, and I think you nailed it. Where it's like you can't get too caught up in what they do early on. You got to look at the offseason in its entirety. Come spring training. You mentioned they're probably not done yet. Um, I, I think that maybe a, a reliever here or there, a bench bat here or there, but the the bulk of this roster is complete at the major league, major league level. I, I they improved. The team has improved over last year, and that's the, that's the important thing. I think it's enough to make us fans happy uh, going into the season. We're not like coming at at the Cubs front office with pitchforks and saying this is all an awful off season. Um, but I think that like they raised that floor of what they could be. Um, and honestly, I don't know that that's good enough from a fan's perspective. I, w- I want to see a little bit more, a little bit more action. I don't know. It, this might be a team that when the deadline rolls around, they might be just hovering in a bad division well enough that maybe a, a trade deadline acquisition could get the could get the job done in terms of getting into the postseason. You know? um, I think the Cardinals are clearly the, the best team in the division, but I don't think that the division as a whole is very good. So uh, the Cubs don't need to be a great roster to push towards that postseason postseason uh, element, you know? One in particular, I'm curious. Um, I, I feel like, you know, to to integrate the, the prospect talk into the Major League discussion, I feel like the one spot that is maybe the most relevant for you and a lot of your, uh, you know, minor league colleagues is Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, and Matt Mervis. Did you have a strong opinion on that? Because that was the reaction when they signed Mancini, right? When they signed Hosmer, everybody has opinions on Eric Hosmer, but they were like, okay, this was kind of the idea all along, right? Like get somebody to pair with Mervis. Maybe they play DH first base and you can kind of lead Matt in as is the best for his development then when they sign Mancini though everybody's going hmm like what does this mean for Matt Mervis like what did what did you think about that how do you feel about that as we head into spring training here like did you have a a particular feeling on where you wanted Mervis to be positioned did that change how, how do you feel about that particular set of moves uh, being completely honest, like I'm so tired of the Matt Mervis discussions from people going too far, right? Not like not like this conversation, but I, I feel like we have gone so far to one end of the spectrum with Matt Mervis talks, where like I've seen people like shouting that like they're manipulate manipulating him service time, and like yeah. they're gonna be, send him down to AAA because they want to get one extra year of service time out of him. It's like this is a this is a 25 year old guy. Like he's not gonna hit free agency until his like younger 30s. Like this this is not a guy you manipulate his service time at all. Um, so like I think I want to preface what I'm saying by just saying like everybody calm down. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. I pro- I promise it's gonna be okay with Matt Mervis, regardless of signing Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini. Uh, I going into the off season, I wanted the Cubs to sign a guy like Trey Mancini, a guy like, like I was really looking at, at Jose Abreu as a perfect fit for a team where you can kind of integrate uh, Matt Mervis in carefully, right? Where you're not just throwing to the wolves and saying, here, you're going to th- play 150 games at first base. If you struggle, oh well. This is a guy that he, last year was his, it was his first like real year where he performed well. I mean, he came in and he played at Myrtle Beach in 2021 and did not play very well. And then he just took off in 2022. And that was great. We love to see that. But... To say that he's ready for the big leagues and ready to perform at a level where he's putting up a 125 WRC plus is not something we should expect from Matt Mervis. If he puts up a 105, if he puts up a WRC plus above league average, I, I think I'm fine with that right now in his first year. Mm. But if we went into the offseason saying he's the first baseman, no signing first baseman, no signing Eric Cosmer, no signing Trey Mancini, none of these guys, I don't think you're doing it right. So 
I'm a, I mean, I don't love the fact that they signed two different first basemen, but I'm not too concerned about Eric Cosmer and where he fits on this roster. I think if Matt Mervis kills it in, in AAA like we expect him to, I think if he performs well in the major leagues, then Eric Cosmer can can go, you know. But I, 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 I feel like by the Cubs signing Hosmer and signing Trey Mancini, we should not look at this as like, oh, they don't believe in Matt, in Matt Mervis. They don't believe in what he can be long-term or short-term. It's like they're just signing first base and they're filling out the roster a little bit. They're not putting too much pressure on this really young, like young in terms of baseball experience type guy, you know? Yeah. If you look at his projections, I, this was a conversation we had with some of the CHDO guys a few weeks ago. Steamer has Mervis as a 341 weighted on base average and a 121 WRC plus. His numbers are absurd over the last year, right? So there's, there is a sect of Cubs fans who see those numbers and they wonder like, why, why not give him the shot right away? What from your perspective is the argument against that? Like what, like, do you justify what the Cubs are doing from his development perspective, starting him in AAA, if that's what they do. I guess, what is the argument that Matt Mervis is maybe not that 120 WRC plus guy, that 341 Woba guy that some projections give him? Um, I, I think that for me, it's less about looking at those projections and not believing in those. For me, it's the fact that he's a top-ranked first-base prospect, but top-ranked first-base prospects have to hit. Like yeah. they, they have to hit. If they don't hit, they don't bring defensive value. And I'm, I, I think he can potentially be a league average defender at first base. But like that still doesn't, that still doesn't bring you any value as a first baseman. You need to mash, no pun intended, and <laughs> well, pun intended. I take that back. Pun intended. <laughs> you need to mash in order to bring value to a team. And so like that, just like it's such a small window of. Like you have to be successful in that way, because yeah. if you're not, if if he is, if he's not the the 125 WRC plus guy, if he is a career 100 to 110, does that bring you enough value? I think right. the answer is probably no. So the so the one question that I've been kind of like dwelling on mm-hmm. is if you apply Mervis's AAA numbers, let's say to Brennan Davis last year, you know the top 100 prospect list came out. If Brennan Davis had Mervis's numbers, he may have been like a top 15 prospect, right? Mervis has those numbers. So from a scouting angle, why does Mervis not even get the love for like a top 100 guy? Undoubtedly, what what is what is his biggest critique if he, you're putting your scouting hat on? He's not Pete Alonzo, right? Like, like, Pete Alonso, <laughs> like, like that type of first base prospect is who you need to be to be a top 100 prospect in baseball you know yeah um and if you're not doing pete alonzo type stuff then you're not going to be a you're not going to be a top 75 guy you're not going to be a top 100 guy matt mervis is he's 24 years old and i i i don't want this to come across too much like i'm bashing bashing him because i i, I no believe, no i mean we I never really in, we never really like talk about like yeah like it, it's not coming off as negative right it's just like there there is a disconnect by different prospect lists. It is a controversial topic when you talk to different Cubs fans. And so I think this is like a conversation that is, that is, that's healthy. It's not negative. For, for what it's worth, I, I have him, as far as my, my personal Cubs rankings, I have him just outside the top 10 in terms of, in terms of prospects in the Cubs system. Um, yeah. He was a 24-year-old guy. So um, that's, that's what you'd like to see from a guy in AAA. But when he was tearing it up in, in South Bend and in Tennessee this past year in, in high A and double A, like he was – significantly older than the the average age at those levels um and just the fact that he plays first base man you know like i i think that that yeah. there's plenty of guys all over the diamond that can play that can that can hit and be moved over to first base it's kind of like the the shortstop moving over to second base type deal you know what i mean we're like yeah. second base is if if you're hitting like you're let's move you to second base that might change with the new shift rules obviously but like the last decade or so, it's we've seen like Matt uh, Matt Muncy's at or Max Muncy's at second base. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah. if you can hit, you can play first base. Which that's a disgrace to the position, by the way. Putting someone like Muncy at second base. I'm just I, saying, this is this is why agree. the shift going away is a good thing. Just, but I, I guess moral of the story is that like he's not a young dude. He's not Brennan Davis, right? He's he's a yeah. couple of years older than Brennan Davis. He doesn't play a good right, a, a really good right field with a strong arm. 
He just doesn't bring those other values that what Brennan Davis has. Well, I think that's... uh, I'm glad we were able to add a little color to that because I think it is an interesting situation because if you are not someone who is digging so much into the minor league levels or, you know, really in tune with you know, how how these rankings are put together or how prospects are evaluated or thought of. Mervis is a really interesting case if you're someone who is kind of just casual to all of that because you're hearing all about him, right? Even if you're watching Marquis, they're talking about him all the time. Cubs Twitter's talking about him all the time. People are writing about him. And then you might look at some of these prospect lists and say, well, where is he, right? They talk about him all the time. And then the Cubs just signed two guys to play his position, right? Or at least, you know, share time at his position. So I think it's it's a useful conversation to kind of flesh all that out because if you don't, if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, well, wait a minute. Like all I hear is about Matt Mervis, but he's not on this list. They're making other plans, at least for the, you know, immediate start of this season. What, you know, how does that all square together. So I, I think that's that's very helpful. Now, for what it's worth, I don't think that he's, I still don't think he is blocked by any sense of the No, no, you know? yeah, no. Uh, no, I, I actually like the moves. I, I, I We talked about that, and I think it does perfectly complement the ability to let him develop at the pace you want him to, and that is best for him. Um, so Let's segue into this MLB Pipeline Top 100 list. Um, as with any list like this, uh, you know, take it, leave it, take it with a grain of salt, whatever stock you want to put into this stuff. But, you know, it's one of the more prominent prospect lists. I get my rankings from Northside Bound, but, you know. Uh, Smart man. Whatever, right? Yeah. Um, the Cubs have three in the Top 100. Brennan Davis comes in at 92 Kevin Alcantara at 87, and PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong, the number one rated Cubs prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, at 28. So this is, I think, going to guide a lot of our conversation here, uh, but I think before we hit our our first uh, sponsor break here, I think the first question I wanted to ask you was just your initial reaction, right? Like, it's it's a it's a pretty prominent list. Um, everybody puts different stock in this stuff, but these are the the three guys and only the three guys. What did you think about these being the three guys? What did you think about the order? Because I uh, unless unless I'm mistaken, I I don't think I've seen too many where Kevin Alcantara has come in ahead of Brendan Davis, unless yeah. I'm like missing stuff. So that was interesting to me. Um, PCA being at 28, just your like initial thoughts, uh, when you see this list come out. I think my, my first, my very first thought with this is seeing PCA at 28. Um, I think that really addresses some of fans concerns about the Cubs not having an elite prospect. We talk about how there's plenty of depth in the Cubs system, which is absolutely true, but they just don't have that top guy. Well, when, once you get in the top 30, like each team, I mean, in, in theory, right? In theory, you have 30 teams and you have 30 top guys. That's obviously not how it works because teams have multiple. Some teams don't have any. But once you get in that top 30, that's what I consider to be an elite level prospect. And PCA is now in that top 30. I think he's there. Um, I, I've been, I'm a little worried about dropping Brennan Davis all the way down to the 90s. I, I just, I am here for Brennan Davis' comeback tour in 2023. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be glorious. I'm going to love every second of it because I've been just beating the drum that, Bren, that Brennan Davis last year was not, was very clearly not a normal year for Brennan Davis. You know, I and mean, we saw him battling from battling back from injuries. He lost a little bit of athleticism just because he wasn't in the right shape. Um, I'm really excited to see him have this offseason return back we see him back in in AAA Iowa. I think it's going to be really fun seeing him progress and get back to where he was as a prospect uh, before this year, right? Um, and then the third guy, uh, having Kevin Alcantara in in the '80s is and above Brennan Davis is so exciting. And the way I look at, at Kevin Alcantara is, I, I've said multiple times that by midseason of this year, Kevin Alcantara is going to be a top twenty prospect in all of baseball. Um, all of Kev- baseball. All of baseball. Kevin Alcantara is like that. Oh. He is that talented. I'm he. What he did at Myrtle Beach is no joke, dude. Like he put, he showed off 
insane power. And Myrtle Beach is a really, really tough ballpark to hit in. It's a pitcher's paradise. I actually, uh, a little a little spoiler here, I actually didn't tell you guys about this before I hopped on, uh, but, but here coming up pretty soon, I'm releasing an article over at Northside Bound that introduces uh, a brand new offensive metric that I have kind of spent the entire offseason developing myself that incorporates league-adjusted rates, incorporates um, age at a, at a certain level in comparison to his peers, but also incorporates ballpark adjustments. And I like it. Because we don't see You're really in- talking Brendan's I language. Know. Do you need some Are figures? Are you flirting with we Brendan can, like, right now? collab well, here, man. I'll so make some visuals for you. we don't talk ballpark adjustments. With, when, when you're working with w, WRC Plus and OPS Plus and those numbers, they don't account for ballpark in the minor leagues, which is wild to think about. They, mm. they league adjust, but they don't ballpark adjust. And Myrtle Beach is tough to hit in. And Kevin Alcantara put up really good numbers in that ballpark, which is crazy. I actually didn't know that. So is it just a big outfield? Is that why? Is it like the weather conditions or what makes it so difficult? It's it's because it's on the, it's not far from the ocean. And the the, the breeze, the breeze, the the, the wind is coming in off that ocean and it really uh, kills the ball once it gets in the air. So it's kind of like a, a, it's like a hyper Wrigley field with the winds coming in. It's like Wrigley field with the winds coming in, but every day. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. All right. I mean, yeah, his numbers were absurd. I mean, he batted 273, weighed on base average of 375, uh, walked a lot. I like seeing the walk rate for a young guy to go with the home run rate. Strikeout rate wasn't that crazy, 24%. Uh, numbers were good. So in terms of in terms of the entire Cubs farm system, uh, I had, with this new, new metric that's coming out uh, probably this weekend sometime, uh, I have Kevin Alcantara as the second best offensive pr- producer in the entire Cubs farm system this past year. I get it. it's, yeah. it's PCA and then Kevin Alcantara is number two, uh, and then Matt Mervis a little for, a little bit further down than that because it does adjust for for age. And Kevin Alcantara was young for his age or young yeah. for his level in Myrtle Beach this year. All right, before we get too lost in this conversation, because I can I can talk about this for hours and not do these ad reads, uh, but I don't want to get you know fired. So first ad break is from our sponsor ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money saving efficient led lights learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more incentives have recently increased for indoor outdoor lighting and networked lighting controls making these projects even more cost effective than before visit comed.com powering biz now to start saving money and energy to start a project contact us at one 833 2700 for more information. Second break here from our sponsor, Goose Island, our new sponsor, Goose Island. CHGO, supported by Goose Island Beer Company, it's been Chicago's beer since 1988. They have an extensive, deep beer roster. For example, they have the Blackhawks Pale Ale. It is a limited release. The Blackhawks and Goose Island have been partners for almost 10 years. They have a Goose Pub in the UC that's been there for almost 10 years. And the Tap Room is a pregame destination for Hawks fans. The two have done a lot of charity for the last five plus years. They also have the Bull City 312. This is also a limited release. And it matches the 2022-2023 City Edition uniforms. They have the Bourbon County style, the Christmas IPA, if you're still in the Christmas spirit. They have the Beer Hug IPA series, the Green Line, the Matilda. What's your favorite beer? Mine is 312. And Goose Island has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you now. You can grab a beer right now from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800-WEST-FULTON or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800-NORTH-CLYBORN. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations goose island beer company talked about that uh last time it was our first time doing uh you know the, the goose island read and that one's uh pretty cool brennan um, it is very cool yeah 312 rules um it's, it's very cool and i i've told you guys before like both of those tap rooms are excellent if you're looking for a night out grab dinner drinks uh very very cool vibe excellent beer so love goose island the official beer of chgo 
Um, getting back to the MLB pipeline top 100 list, Greg, uh, my next question for you, uh, I have a lot of questions. Like I said, I think this is going to guide our sort of process through the, the minor league system. Uh, I want your perspective. We'll get to who should have been on the list. Should people be higher? Uh, you know, are there any guys who shouldn't have been on the list, but we need to keep an eye on, et cetera, et cetera, right? But I want to get your perspective. I, I saw this discourse a lot on Thursday night. We have heard a lot about the Cubs system, the improvements, um, the changes in infrastructure that they've made, coaches, this, that, and the other over the years. We're waiting for the next great Cubs team. And we have also, you know, obviously been through a lot as a fan base. They've traded a lot of cornerstone players of this organization for these prospects. And when a list like this comes out, and again, you know, this isn't gospel. It's just a a list, right? And the Cubs only have three guys in the top 100, right? I think there are a lot of people who are going to say, that's it right? Like we've heard all about this system. It's so great. We're waiting for this next great Cubs team. It's not a rebuild, yada, 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 right? They got three guys in the top 100 and only two of them in the top, or excuse me, only one of them in the top 80. Now I'm not, I'm only asking the question, right? I'm not offering an opinion on that. I feel like I sort of understand this better than that, but what would you say to that? Like, how do you react if people are nonplussed, right? Like by not having anybody in the top 10, only three guys, a lot of the other guys that we talk about or you talk about, nowhere to be found, right, on these lists. What's your perspective on that if if a fan is thinking, hey, this doesn't seem that impressive? I think the best way to look at it is by looking at it and saying there there are I could listen to an argument that there are nine other guys that fit between 100 and 150 in terms of the best prospects in all of baseball. And so if you're looking at that as as a as a whole and you got 12 guys in the top 150, I'll take that, you know. Um and not only are those guys uh between 100 and 150 that are just barely sneaking in. I think those are guys that could really take off in the next few years. I mean, you're talking about Owen Casey, who's a guy that is still very young, was very young for his age or for his uh, his level in South Bend last year. Um, you got pitchers where we've all three of us here feel very confident in what the Cubs are doing in terms of their pitching infrastructure from the major league level with Tommy Hadovy all the way down to Casey Jacobson and, and, and Craig Breslow in the minor league system. And so if you have those talented pitchers in the system, plus you incorporate the fact that they have really, really good coaching, I feel really confident in those guys, even if they never hit top 100 list, that they're going to be successful as they rise up to the system. I look at Hayden Wesneski as a great example of that. I know he was just acquired last, last trade deadline, and so he's not a guy who's been developed through the entire system, but he's not a top 100 guy right now. Um, but are you excited about having Hayden Wesneski on the major league roster this next se- I season? Yes, I, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I look at guys like, and there's a lot of guys just like Hayden Wesneski in the system with Porter Hodge. Like I wouldn't even really consider Porter Hodge to be one of those got one of those nine guys. I just said that fall within hundred and one fifty. Porter Hodge is a guy that, that the development has really, like the development team has really honed in on what he does well and I have a lot of confidence in him, in him rising up to the system. Um, Cade Horton is a guy who was drafted last year that they identified him because he has insane talents with fastball and slider combination. And the development team feels like they can work him, work some magic on him to make him even better. Um, that's that's like my outlook on the system. And I, I think there's more to it than just having three top 100 guys. It sounds a whole lot better when you're saying there's 12 top 150 guys. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we got spoiled there, you know, in the early 2010s, mid 2010s with all those, you know, top prospects and they did win the World Series off of that. People do forget that uh, the year was 2016 in case you do forget that, but the good. The development has been centered on the pitching for the past 3 years in terms of the obvious features and the pitch lab and Hadavi and bringing in Moscas last year is pretty obvious the success they've had from that 
hitting and the development behind that is kind of ambiguous from like my perspective, fans' perspective. We don't really know the intricate details as much as we do about pitching development and what they're trying to do with pitch design and spinner and all of that, right? When I look at the Cubs hitting development, I, tr- I try to piece together like what's, what's different, what changes they're making, especially with like Canario's changes. I'm looking at PCA and he had that sub 20% strikeout rate in his last 100 plate appearances, even though the high, the, the bulk of the strikeout rate was 24%. It's kind of high for not a, a high power guy. You watch a lot of these games. You follow the, the system closely, of course. From the hitting development side, have you noticed anything that's like uniform? Is it more so on a player by player basis? Do you see what I'm saying with trying to match the pitching and development infrastructures in terms of understanding what's going on? Yeah, I think that. So actually, uh, Greg Zumak and I talked on our most recent episode of Cubs on Deck um, about. The, I, I mean, it's, it's the Theo Epstein development is not linear uh, phrase, right? That's but how more than just development isn't linear, like development changes from like month to month in the minor leagues, from, from at bat to at bat, if you want to get a specific yeah. bat, because you're looking at a guy and I, I think James Triantos is a really good example where in 2022, he was in Myrtle Beach, and he really showed that he could make contact with just about any pitch in the zone. Um, he also shows the ability to make really solid contact and hit the ball really hard, but he wasn't doing both of those things in Myrtle Beach last year, and he still put together a pretty decent season. Hell yeah. Flash forward to 2023, he'll likely be in South Bend. The, the pitcher's ballpark in Myrtle Beach won't get to him, and I think that there's going to be a very distinct strategy on – how he attacks pitches in or out of the zone, right? So you could go weeks, and I've, I've watched players do this over the past few seasons, where you could go three weeks at a time, and a player is doing his best to spit on every single slider he sees, for example. I don't, I'm, I don't have a guy in mind, but he spits on every single slider that he sees. And the idea is that he's working specifically on hitting high fastballs, where he's working spe- specifically on how he attacks changeup, or whatever it might be, but he's just spitting on, on sliders. They may be out of the zone. They may, may be backdoor sliders that come in on strikes. I don't care what it, what it is, but that is their strategy because it kind of ingrains into, into these players' minds, hey, I can spit on that slider. Hey, I can lay off that high, that high uh, fastball, or I can attack a certain pitch in a certain count. And so I think that's really, really important to remember with player development, especially hitters. Because we talk about that from a pitcher's perspective a lot, right? Like, where even at the major league level, we go into spring training. I mean, spring training is in a, in, a, in a couple months here. We've seen Kyle Hendricks go take the mound at the major league level in spring training and break off 10 straight curveballs. He's not throwing 10, yeah. 10 straight curveballs in a game in the regular season. That's not happening. But he's very clearly working on something. We talk about that with pitching a lot in the minor leagues, where Jordan Wicks this past year, he has a really good changeup, the, the plus changeup since the day he was drafted. He went the first half of the season. We talked with Jordan Wicks on the Cubs on Deck podcast recently about this, how yeah, he good. basically ditched the changeup uh, the first half, more or less the first half of the 2022 season because he needed to work on that slider and he needed to work on his uh, curveball. And so he felt so confident in that changeup that he was able to ditch that, work on those two pitches, and then as the season wore on, he reintroduced that changeup back into the mix because he felt better about his other secondary offerings. So... I think we talk about that, like we had that discussion a lot with pitchers, whether it's the major league level or the minor league level, but they're also doing that for hitters as well. Like it's not just a pitcher thing, it's a, it's a hitter thing too. So um, I'm, I, I guess one more example that I have is, is Kevin Madej, who Kevin Madej came up uh, to full season ball in Myrtle Beach in 2022 and was literally swinging at everything. Dude, like he... He, I, I know Jimmy Nelligan ran, he wrote an article over at Northside Bound a while back of Kevin Madej's 2022 season, and he got to like four three ball counts all year. It was, it was something, it was something ridiculous. <laughs> I remember he was that. Swinging yeah. at everything. Uh, and that was, that was probably a very distinct strategy in the way that he can make contact with baseballs. Now, he reined that in quite a bit in 2023. The offensive production was not quite as, it was not nearly as successful. But it's probably he's probably better off being a much more patient hitter than swinging at everything long term, you know. So I don't know. I think it's just that's a long-winded answer to your question of just like I think mm-hmm. that development paths 
not only aren't linear, but like they are very like focused. They're hyper focused from game to game for all of these players. I'm curious. You mentioned uh, earlier Alexander Canario. If you know, obviously had a, a really unfortunate set of injuries that he's working back from. Do you have a sense of like where he would have fit? In, is he in that group that's under 150 that that you were talking about? Like, where where would he kind of slot in had had that not happened? And you know, obviously, we hope he can get healthy and work back to where he was. And but had that, where where do you think he would have fit in? Yeah, I I had him as a top 10 prospect in the Cubs system uh, going into the off season, right? Along with kind of the Ben Brown, Hayden Wesneski level of players, right around James Triantos level, uh, maybe a little bit above that. Um. That injury just scares the crap out of me, honestly. I mean, I, 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 know, I it, it's, it's just something that is, it's so, it reminds me a lot of the Ed Howard injury, injury, uh, in 2022, mm. where it's like, it's such a, an extreme injury, something that you don't see all that often in baseball. And so I, I'm a little worried about his explosiveness. And so much of what Alexander Canario is, is that explosiveness, right? At the, whether it's at the plate, He's got the tools. He has the big power. He has the big arm. He has the the speed. He like he's just an explosive guy, kind of like what Christopher Morel is in terms of like that explosiveness, you know. Um, and because he relies on hitting the ball as hard as anybody in the system, he's got to come back and do that after this injury. And um, so I bumped him down. I have him, I think at fourteen on my rankings in the Cubs system now. So I dropped him down several slots just because I I, I don't I'm not incredibly confident in in his return I, I think that he can return and and be a very good player but just that explosiveness needs to come back and I need to see that before I I rank him higher you know what I mean so uh yeah. the, I mean the hope is that he he returns uh part of the way through the season we see him back at I at triple a Iowa he's on the 40-man roster obviously but we need to see some good action from him in triple a uh because he's already used uh, a couple of his options so uh we'll, we'll do one more player, I guess, before we hit our second ad break, and then we obviously have more to talk about coming out of that. Um, I'm curious, you know, you talked a little bit about Hayden Wisniewski. He's one of those guys where, like, you know, he still counts as a prospect, right, just given the the service time that he had last year. Um, He's one of those guys where, like, you know, for someone who doesn't delve too deeply into the minor league systems and how these rankings are put together. And, you know, like for the life of me, I couldn't tell you anything about anybody else's system. Right. And I would never claim to. So it's, it's easy for me to look at this list and ask questions like this, but like I watch Hayden Wisniewski in the, what was it, Brendan, like 30 something innings last year at the major league level. 33. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking there's a hundred prospects that are better than this guy. Like we just saw him do this at the major league level. Like how does, how does, how does that work? Like ex- explain that to me. Like I'm, I'm five years old. Uh, I don't know that I can really well, honestly. I mean, he, he's, he's a, he's a little bit older than most prospects, but you're right. He's been in Chicago. So I don't know how much that really matters. You know I mean? He's, he's, he's been a major leaguer already. So, um, but he is older. Yeah, I feel than most. like if, if we can get a, slight proof of concept right like that should be weighted in there a little bit right a lot of these other guys you're still sort of dreaming on it yeah and I think that the one the one knock that I'll say that I'm that that worries me a little bit and I'll probably kind of defer to Brendan a little bit with with this the the pitch uh makeup here a little bit but uh the fastball worries me a little bit um we know the slider is like terrific like we know we know the slider is very 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 good uh one of the best in baseball actually and i've seen flashes of that changeup being pretty decent too um i just want to see what we can do with that fastball there's not i mean it, there's not a whole lot of uh i mean it, it, the, the velo is there to a certain degree but the all the other things that go into making a fastball really good are not and so i just i i need him to be better with the fastball this year. I don't know, Brennan, what are your thoughts on on the heater, yeah. I guess? Yeah, he has a leaky fastball, right? So he's not going to have that fastball that has that, like, you know, carrying action, but he can pitch backwards, and he did do that, and he has the, the ability with multiple secondary pitch types to do that. He's also pretty confident about his changeup. Our guy Ryan Herrera was talking to him about his pitch mix, and one of my favorite quotes of the season last year was, 
Hayden saying, when my changeup is on, I'm dominant. And that's like the attitude and the pitch repertoire and an example of why I like so many different pitch types. Because if one pitch is not working one day, you can just dive into a basket of pitches that may work. And for him, he has a slider. He does have a sinker. And he's going to have some of that tailing action that you might be able to use, let's say, up and into right-handed batters. Um, and he has a cutter. And he has a changeup that when he feels comfortable using is effective. So I think he can survive without that above average fastball. Right now, I race below league average on a 40 on the 80 scale if you look at different pitch graders. Uh, but he has shown an ability to adapt, to develop. He did work on a changeup. He did work on pitching backwards. He worked on that cutter with the Yankees with Moscow multiple years ago. So he's already shown the ability, like many other Cubs pitchers and some young hitters, to adapt. And when you have that history of being able to adapt, to me, that signals there is a future where you can continue to do that in a way that's unexpected. So that's my thinking with Wisniewski, and that's why I'm so confident about his ability. All right. So quick break here from our sponsor, Foco Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team. So get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Foco, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Second break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. There's only four NFL teams left, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, counting down to Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you're not a new customer, you can still Feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO. New customers get $5 on the conference championships and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, Greg. So as we, you know, start to wrap up here, um, I, you you mentioned a lot of names, um, you know, and guys. So I, I'm curious, you know, those I guess uh, Davis, Alcantara, PCA. I, I was gonna say Crow Armstrong, but that just feels weird, just saying the names like that. Um, you know, those are the big three right now. So. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of names. I'm curious if there's anybody, you know, you look at a top 100 like this that either A, you're thinking they should be in there, like they deserve to be in there. I don't know how they missed the cut. Or just any names that even you haven't talked about where you feel like they are guys that Cubs fans should have on their radar. Because I remember like, you know, talking to you or, or Brian Smith or anybody really about this stuff, like it's been helpful, I think, for someone like me to get these guys on my radar ahead of time, right? Because as we kind of move through this process, I'm at least somewhat prepared for them to be vaulting up these lists and getting into more serious conversations about where they fit in with the Cubs and and how all of that's going. I mean, I remember when people first, you know, because we talked about him, first started talking about Matt Mervis, I was like, who? You know, I've never heard of this person before in my life. And, you know, now it's like, you know, Brendan and I spent half our day talking about Matt Mervis, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So it's a sort of long question for you, but I, I guess the, the, you know, condensed down version is those are the big three. Where should people's attention be kind of outside of those three guys and, and maybe some not so obvious names? Yeah, I'll take a, a quick second to be able to mention James Triantos again. I know I already talked about him, but I think that leaving Myrtle Beach like Kevin Alcantara and going to South Bend is going to be huge for him at the plate. Um, I know there's been in different chats, there's been some some James Triantos slander 
Um, I don't I don't appreciate that. I'll I'll, I'll throw that out there. But I, I just think that that we which could I don't see, get. He's nineteen I, years old, and, and he, and he like does not well. strike out. And yeah, yeah. Like, like slant. Like how do you even get your brain around that? But anyway, yeah. continue. I don't know. I, I I can I can see not a Matt Mervis level breakout. Like that's not that it. Let me. That is not going to happen. A James a uh, 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 Matt Mervis level breakout. But I could see a big breakout coming from James Triantos in twenty twenty three. But really, the guy I want to talk about in this part of the podcast I want to talk about Daniel Palencia because this feel like it feels like the perfect time to talk about him we could like we legitimately could see even though he hasn't been above South Bend above high a we could see Daniel Palencia in Chicago in 2023 um I like that I think that if we see him obviously it'll be as a reliever being a reliever might be his home long term anyways but I I see I I think he can be a starter and I think a lot of people just go immediately to Daniel Palencia is a reliever because he throws a 104-mile-an-hour fastball, he throws a 103-mile-an-hour fastball, and he throws a 94-mile-an-hour slider, right? And the assumption there, especially because he's not very tall, but the assumption there is that, like, oh, that's that's a reliever for sure. But Daniel Palencia is, like, he's a pretty big dude, right? Like, he, he's, he's a thick boy, and I think that just because he's short doesn't mean he can't, he doesn't have a starting pitcher's build. Well, that could um, be an advantage, you know? Depends on what yeah. is, how his pitches move. You look at someone like Marcus Stroman. Because he has that low release point, because he's shorter, his fastball is going to carry a little bit more. He's going to have that little bit uh, of an advantage. You think of someone like Pedro Martinez, way back then, shorter guy, lower release point. Those guys play up. That can be actually good. Sliders, lower plane, more sweeping action as a result. That could be good. And he's already throwing 94. Yeah, you already sold me in like three seconds. No, I mean, yeah, and I, I now granted, <laughs> like obviously he the the command and control needs to be better, right? He yeah. was he was missing the zone too much, and that led to higher pitch counts earlier in games. But like as far as like holding his velo deep into games, like he's doing it pitches wise, like he's getting up to like eighty pitches and still holding that like high nineties velocity. Uh, he's not doing it in the sixth and seventh inning because the pitch counts up too high, but. Um, we know like that endurance is there from him to, to keep throwing heats. And he has just like hands down the nastiest stuff in the entire farm system. So uh, I'm excited to see him in probably, probably Tennessee. Um, he might go, go back to South Bend, but I'm guessing we see him in Tennessee this year to start off the season. And once you get up to Tennessee, like all bets are off, you know, anything I mean, can happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, if he was on the 40 man roster already, like, which he's not, then I would say it's a no-brainer that he makes it up, up to Chicago this year. But, um, again, I, I think that it'll probably depend a little bit if the Cubs are competing by, by the end of the year. If they're, if they're going for a playoff spot, then we might see Palencia coming out of the bullpen. If, if they're not, if, if they're out of the playoff hunt by the end of the year, then we probably see Palencia stay in the minor leagues, more than likely. Has he been strictly a two-pitch guy, like forcing a fastball slider? He, yeah, I mean, he's thrown some changeups up there, and I, I, I don't dislike the changeups. It's just, it's just very inconsistent. It, it, very much so like what Hayden Wesneski's been. It's been an inconsistent right. pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's th- at this point, he's thriving off that that fastball slider. Well, I mean, 103 and then a 94 mile per hour slider. You mean you may not need another pitch like yeah, that's and, and unique in itself. I don't like to like I'm. I'm very careful. I, over the past few years, I've become very careful about like speaking in like hyperboles and like trying not to like. Part of what I do is like hyping up these prospects, right? But, well, you kind of by default like what am I gonna am I, I going to listen to someone who's going to talk trash about the Cubs minor league system? No, I'm trying to figure out yeah. what the hell is going well, on. But you also, know? I've been very careful recently about like not setting expectations way too high, right? Like I, I don't yeah. I don't want because the last thing I want to happen is a guy come up to Chicago and get absurd levels of of hype thrown his way because of anything i've pushed and then as soon as they like don't succeed for a few a few months then everyone hates him that's not what i want yeah. to see happen so that's why like I, i'm i'm saying that because i'm not joking around about daniel Palencia's fastball and slider dude like they are <laughs> they're absolutely insane i'm i'm just like i'm giddy over here talking about him it's insane I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be watching like YouTube videos the entire night oh, of yeah. those two pitches after this. Also, I'm already sold. I'm gonna get a text at three in the morning. Oh hell yeah, you are, man. Dude, Greg was right about. <laughs> I, I think I, I have... just looked up his stuff plus, and yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. Okay, yeah, I can get that data. By the way, Greg, uh, we'll talk about it after we'll uh, talk, offline. Yeah. I definitely can get that. 
So I may, and maybe this is the answer to this question. Maybe Palencia is this answer, but uh, you know, as we're, I, what is it? It's a couple weeks, pitchers and catchers. I mean, the um, season to me already started. Like Nico's on the field. It's yeah, already Cody here. Bellinger's. I, yeah. I was reading today. He was dropping some bombs out in Mesa. So yeah. you know, we're ready. The off to go, season but, is over. In my, in my um, mind. I'm curious, and if if the answer is Palencia, that's fine. But I'm curious as we head into pitchers and catchers. Again, we, we, we know these big names, um, but are there guys not named Matt Mervis who fans should have an eye on as like, hey, these are guys who can affect this major league roster, who you should be aware of because maybe they're not going to break camp with the team. I mean, you know, maybe some guys have a crazy spring, things like that, but and and I know I know it, it you know you just said this too like uh, the Cubs are in a weird place where you almost have to qualify everything with are they competing are they selling and it makes conversations like this a little difficult but let's go under the premise that they're competing right are there guys that as we're watching spring training and guys get a chance in those major league games people should be paying attention to because this is a guy who can come in and help this major league roster I love that my answer to that can be yes, because in past years, I mean, like in 20, 2021, like 20, what, 18 to 2021 or so, like there was nobody in the upper levels of the mind, like in AAA, I guess, especially that I could, except for like one or two guys that I could say, hey, watch out for this dude. And this year, like there are a ton of guys in the mm. upper levels of the minors, especially like tr- both, both AA and AAA. Um, that we could see make an impact in Chicago, and that I just, I just think that's fun as as a Cubs fan and a pros, prospect guy. Like I just think it's so fun to be able to talk about that. Um, I guess I'll start with the rotation. We already talked about Wesneski. Uh, Caleb Killian obviously struggled um, last year in his major league cup of coffee, um, and I, I am a little bit worried about the swing and miss that he generates. I don't think he generates enough swing and miss um, in his pitches. Yeah, I agree. Um, but. I think that we've come so far down. Like he has been so like up and down in terms of the way we view him. So he's a guy that that will likely get some innings in Chicago this year. Um, and then there's a whole host of relievers too. Um, ben Leeper could get some time in Chicago. Um, Dennis Correa could get some time in Chicago. Cam Sanders we saw transition over to the bullpen, throwing some heat. He could be in Chicago. Um, Kane Eckert is even a guy that that really really struggled last year, um, but he was really successful in 21. Um, and he could be up in Chicago. But I think that in terms of relievers, we've already seen my guy. We've already seen the guy in Chicago. Jeremiah Estrada, is, he will Beast. finish the year as a closer on this team. Like, I, I, I feel way more confident than I should in a guy that's had, what, like five innings in Chicago? Like, I feel very confident he's going to be the closer in Chicago by the end of the season. He's just, well, that's, this stuff is so good. That's what we we're talking about last week like you look at the Cubs bullpen right now there's not an obvious closer on the team uh I was thinking the same thing in terms of like Cubs prospects in my memory right I'm not nowhere your level in terms of like recalling these guys but in my memory from a numbers perspective and just looking at pitchers I've never seen a Cubs reliever have the numbers and the eye test combined to 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 be a potential closer, bona fide closer. Like his first appearance out of the bullpen, his fastball graded as an 80 out of 80, like 99th percentile forcing fastball. On the Cubs, a young guy who just blew through the system last year, starting up a high A and finishing up in a little brief cup of coffee in Chicago. To me, that signals this is unique. This is special. There's a legitimate chance he can be the closer and we may not need to go out and spend money on the free, uh, on the free Asian market at this point. Yeah, I mean, you talk to any Cubs pitcher in the minor league system, and you ask you ask a pitcher what like whose fastball they could take and use. The answers are Palencia and Jeremiah Estrada every time. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of those those two answers. And the fastball is just it's it's insane. Like you mentioned, it's eighty grade uh, fastball. It's beautiful. Um, the slider. He has a slider too. to go with it too. Mm. The slider is just as like it's not as good as like you know one of the best fastballs in the league, but it's up there as like well above league average, yeah. like better than at least I think it was like seventy five percent from from mm. a stuff grading perspective. And so. I mean, as far as like as far as pitchers, I mean, those are guys that are going to be in the majors or in AAA. I mean, Ben Brown will likely be assigned to Double uh, A um, 
on opening day. Ryan Jensen might be in double A. Jordan Wicks will probably be in double A to start off the year. Those three guys, those are three starters. Ryan Jensen might be converted to the bullpen, but like those are three guys that, that might get some run in Chicago as well. I, I am a big believer in Jordan Wicks. He's my top ranked pitcher in the Cubs farm system right yeah. now. Um, yeah, he, I like him too. I, I, I know that there's been some, he might get hit too hard and stuff like that, but um, I think that his pitch repertoire is incredible. The, 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 the fact that he can throw any of those pitches for strikes, four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, change-up, slider, curveball. He's got this cutter that he introduced uh, late last year, and I think the cutter's going to How did that work, the cutter? How did the cutter work? Um, I, I think that it was still a work in progress last year. I know okay. he, was, he was working with Cliff Lee this offseason um, to kind of incorporate that cutter a little bit more. Um, and the fact that he's using he's the fact that he's using the cutter just I mean the John Lester comps are just like I mean I was leading you into it Corey That's why I mean, like, it Corey up. this is your guy this is your guy <laughs> Jordan Wicks is your guy because he looks like John Lester on the mound like he, last year he was even wearing number thirty four because he yeah. said like he wore it for a teammate he, he told us but then he saw like Cubs Twitter losing their minds that he's wearing thirty four looks like John Lester and he's like I'm just writing this out man so uh, yeah. listen I dig it but. You know, big shoes to fill, you know, that's all I'm saying, you know, it's not so, an easy, it's not an easy comp to carry, right? The dude should be a hall of famer, oh, but yeah. I'll, I'll be talking about that for the next several years. So. Greg with Wicks, when he was going away from the changeup, trying to work on some breakers, do you think he's going to go back to more heavy changeup usage? Like, do you think that experimentation or whatever you want to call it is kind of a thing in the past, or is he still going to implement that and carry it over and still try to mix and mash and experiment with those breakers? No, I think that he's going to kind of incorporate, like, I think he's going to incorporate more than he was early in the, in the season in 22, but okay. I think he's really going to use that full pitch repertoire. Um, he's really learning how to generate outs in a variety of different ways and, and get weak contact, get ground balls, get weak pop-ups, because he was missing a lot of bats last year. He was really good at yeah. generating strikeouts. He was really good at getting, getting swinging strikes last year, one of the best in the entire system. And he... Really, like what he told us on the Cubs on Deck podcast is that he wants to be able to go deeper into games, and you don't even really associate him with like a big stuff guy that's not going to go like you associate like him as a bulldog pitcher on the mound. And so, yeah. as he continues to get better at generating that weak contact, which I believe that he can do, he's going to be a guy that can go six, seven innings consistently on the mound. And so, uh, we talk about I- I've I've loved how the Cubs have started to with. Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson and pro- likely Hayden Wesneski. When the guy, when the pitcher is good enough to pitch in the major leagues, they are pitching in the major leagues. It may not be in the starting rotation. It may be as a multi yeah. reliever. It may be as a one whatever it might be. But they've gotten so much. They used to be so bad at that. Oh, that was you hated that. I hated. I <laughs> hated that. And so they've gotten better in the past few years. And I love that. But when I look at Jordan Wicks. He's not that, not that he couldn't do that. Like, he even told us, like, he would be willing to do that. But that's just not how I associate Jordan Wicks, right? I don't, I don't picture him as a guy that's, like, that needs to come up to the big leagues, work out of the bullpen, and then get converted to a starter. Like, Jordan Wicks is a starting pitcher through and through. I feel very confident in him being a number three-ish pitcher in the big leagues. I love that. Uh, just one more question here. I don't want to. I could keep you on this show for like three more hours. Uh, maybe we'll just get rid of Corey uh, for the next few weeks here. Um, <laughs> but one one question I have. Uh, I like. I'm I'm fascinated by DJ Hurst. Uh, I thought the promotion in Double A. I was stoked about it. I I love the comparison you made to him to Dontrell Willis. I love. I just love the stuff. I love the age. I love the attitude. The numbers at Double A were uh, underwhelming. His walk per nine was nine point four, but his strikeout rate in thirty-one innings was still twelve uh, per nine. So he's still uh, missing bats, but his command clearly just was not there. The Cubs are trying to experiment with different pitch uh, types for a lot of these guys. What happened, and what can we expect? Um, I think the weird thing with DJ. Um, is that he brings a lot of really good qualities to the mound. I, I think first and foremost is the the attitude in which that he he pitches. Um, yeah. That's that's number one in my eyes. It's a very like that bulldog. I I am better than you. Um, yeah, I love that mentality. Love that. It's kind of like that that Hayden Wesneski type mentality. Very it has similar. the same thing. That crazy Max Scherzer, I'm gonna kill you type mentality. Yes, very okay. similar. Um, and I. 
the way I've kind of referenced DJ Hers is that like he's he's nasty, but he does he's not really nasty with the grossest stuff, right? It's 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 the delivery, right? It's, yeah. He's throwing low nineties, and the breaking ball is kind of this weird slurvy slider curveball type mix pitch, um, and then the changeup is good but a little inconsistent. But I, I think the changeup is really good. The stuff just isn't like nasty. It's just like it looks nasty when it's coming at batters. And I think that that weird dynamic, I think that he needs to work. I, I, this offseason, I think he's working on redeveloping his changeup or like reworking it, or not his changeup, sorry, his slider. Um, and I think that's going to be huge is like reworking that slider and making that like a truly nasty pitch, not just because he's throwing it from behind the left handed batter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and when he got up to double A, you're obviously seeing much better hitters. And I think that he probably, th- I don't, I'm, I'm, Saying from my perspective, I haven't talked to him about this, but I think that part of what he was trying to do is like over like overcompensate for the fact that his stuff wasn't that nasty and like really just like blow up by guys, really nibble the corners, stuff like over pitch a lot. And that led to that nine walks per what was it, nine walks per nine that he had? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A stupid high walk rate. And so I think that two things need to happen. It's that that slider needs to get better. And I think if that slider gets better and the fastball adds a few ticks of velocity, I think those that's going to be huge for the stuff. And then kind of reeling it in, going back to Tennessee and, like, realizing, like, dude, you're good. Like, you're a good pitcher. You know, like, go out in there and, like, attack hitters because you don't need to, like, you don't need to overpower them. You don't need to work around the edges. Your stuff is nasty enough that you're going to get some ground balls. You're going to still strike guys out even without, like, the grossest stuff you've ever seen because of the way he comes at batters from, from that extreme crossfire delivery. Well, uh, as Brendan alluded to, uh, as is always the case, uh, we could this could be a like an anthology of uh, episodes. I mean, there's uh, so many guys we didn't even touch on. Yeah. I was very well behaved, Brendan. I'm waiting until over the hour mark to mention University of Michigan alum Jordan Wogu. Um, I didn't even say anything over an hour before I said anything. <laughs> Self-control. Good job. And, you know, again, to work reiterate, we both went to the University of Michigan, mm. Michigan Wolverines. But you're the better athlete, though. Some people say that, you know. Um, we'll see. Some people, you yeah. Know? Um, a lot of people are saying that, but I have the better physique, you know. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, obviously. Um, but you know, I like I don't know this about other teams. I'm I'm sure other teams have have quality prospect coverage and stuff, but I'm obviously not aware of it. But I I do think that like we're very lucky to have you, Greg, and your team at Northside Bound and, and you know, uh, friends of ours like Brian from Bleacher Nation because it just adds so much color to all of this. And, you know, obviously the these systems have, have been there. It's not a new thing, but with the way that baseball has changed and the game has changed and player development has changed, contracts have changed, like being able to have such in-depth coverage of these players – not just when they're on the precipice of the major leagues, but from the minute they get drafted or scouted or are in this system um, is is just such a valuable asset that I, I think as Cubs fans, um, knowing the, the people who cover it that I do, I, I think we're, we're very lucky to have it. So uh, we always appreciate you uh, joining Brendan and I or, you know, joining Cody, Luke, Ryan and the gang. Um, we'll have to get you to Chicago, get you in the, yeah. into the West Loop in the CHGO studios. Um, but you know, we've already talked about it uh, a bunch, but obviously as we close out here, um, you know, tell us where people can find you, Twitter, website, podcast, uh, or, and you know, anything in particular you want to draw their attention to. Yeah, no, I, first of all, thank you so much. I mean, like, honestly, the reason why I can speak for myself and I think a little bit for the other guys, Zumac and Todd Johnson and, and, and Brian Smith and all those guys, um, the reason why I got into doing this was because I, I was watching the major league team and I was so curious about where these guys were coming from. And so just the fact that I can provide any, like shed any light on these prospects as they come up to Chicago so that fans of the major league team don't need to be as consumed in minor league baseball as me, but they, they can be a little bit more familiar with those names and feel more connected to those players as they reach the major leagues. Cause we love to be connected. Like we love watching Christopher Morrell be, Christopher Morrell, right? We love to see Nico Horner do his thing at the major league level, but like yes, to get to catch a glimpse of that in the minor leagues 
and it, as as major league fans see that coming up and kind of expect that coming up it's like that's why that's why we do this you know so that's yeah. i i thank you guys so much for letting letting me come on here and kind of inform people as much as i possibly can but um yeah like as you mentioned uh i'm a writer over at uh writer and co-founder of northsidebound.com all sorts of writing over there um todd johnson really leads the team in terms of like putting out content every single day as far as minor league stuff goes so Check out northsidebound.com. You can check out our YouTube page where I'm trying to get that off the ground a little bit. I've been posting a few videos here and there. In addition to the Cubs on Deck podcast, also gets posted on YouTube. Cubs on Deck gets posted anywhere where you listen to podcasts too. Um, Me, that is with me and Brian Smith uh, on some episodes, me and Greg Zumak on other episodes. And then uh, leading up to the season, we'll get uh, the... Cubs minor league broadcasters on the show too. So I'm going to be hosting with Alex Cohen and Brendan King and Max Toma and Sam Wiederhaft will all be on the show. We'll do some previews of the affiliates as they lead into the season. So uh, yeah, find that wherever you listen to podcasts, Cubs on deck. And uh, thank you guys so, so, so much for having me on. We appreciate it as always, Greg. Um, And to all our listeners, we appreciate you listening and listening to and supporting the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, Ryan, Luke, Cody will be back with you, of course, to start the week on Monday at the usual 1.20 time slot. Uh, we've been mentioning, too, over on the YouTube, and they, they air on the, the podcast feed as well, but if you want to watch the interviews uh, from CubsCon, the team has been uploading those to the CHGO Sports YouTube. On Thursday, they added uh, their sit-down interview with new Cubs catcher Tucker Barnhart. Uh, I told you last week, you know, Albert Alzali, their sit-down interview with him is up there, and there's more to come. So if you're not subscribed to the CHGO Sports YouTube, I would advise you to do so. Uh, Brendan and I, in particular, will be back with you next Friday in our usual slot to talk about anything else the Cubs have going on. We're going to have to fill that time. We're not going to have Greg to uh, help us, you know, fill the time, Brendan. So we're going to have to— I, I can come back, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do have—yeah, I mean, we really could do that forever. Um But we always appreciate the support. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. We appreciate your support. Brendan and I will talk to you next week. And as always, go Cubs.